Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 268 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Souverine, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder bar for this episode are Commander Shan, our Inhuman Resources Director. Hello. Uh, we also have Commander Edelweiss, aka Ben Moss Woodward. Well, hello, Souverine, and I just can't get enough of your love, baby. <laughs> also known as Barry White. Uh, and we have um, the lovely Commander Ventura on tech this evening. Cool. Hello. Um, he is? Ah, oh, there we go. Uh, and we are blessed with the presence of uh, Primetime Casual, who is a longtime friend of the show and um, general uh, space-going daredevil. How the hell are you, PTC? Good evening. I'm just fine. A bit tired from the weekend, but really fine. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, if you wish, you can join us live. We're hanging out. Where the hell are we hanging out? Uh, Upanaclis, the, the sister where the community called the Intracellar Initiative Malaki is. So come and join where, us live in yeah. unpronounceable system where the, where the megaship is. Where the megaship Golconda is. Yes. Um, and, uh, and as ever, the rollover continues. Um, it's now, let's call it 110 void opals for. As donated um, by the Bank of Shan. <laughs> yes, donated oh. by the <laughs> by the bottomless bank of Shan for uh, passing Commander Edelweiss from his uh, from his spaceship structural integrity. I um, really sold my crate. That was silly of me. Ooh. And I'm in open actually, which is a bit worrying. Hmm. If you can't get in game, you can also join the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com forward slash forward slash live and clicking on live chat and also on twitch.tv forward slash lave radio. So how the hell are you all? What have you been up to? Um, shall we um, give Ben's voice a rest? How, uh, Shan, how have you been? What have you been up to? I've been pretty busy this last week. On Friday uh, night and Saturday, um, I went with Mr. Shan all the way to Telford to the world's largest scale model show. We had good time there looking around at everyone's efforts and me geeking out and Mrs. Shan looking bored. Uh, <laughs> Does she not go in for model miniatures? Well, it wasn't just miniatures. I mean, there were some pretty stunning science fiction stuff there as well, like um, a scratch built. That means you, you don't make it from a kit. You make it from you know, whatever, whatever you can find. Um, X-wings that were about six feet long by about four feet wide. You know, di- in a diorama with Tie Fighters, and it was amazing work. Nice. So, so yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, the 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 Shanglings. Uh, one of them was still in London, and the other one was at home dog sitting. So that was the that. trumpeter was in London, presumably. That's right. Yes, and. As for in-game, I, I was kind of, with all the uh, e- uh, economy being topic of conversation in the UK election, I, I was I was thinking about the economy in Elite, in particular the Lave system. Hmm. And I've come to the conclusion that the Orange Sidewinder bar must be a front for some illegal activity or money laundering. Right. Because... Singapore a, in space, they call it. Well, not even that, because... You can't land at it. So where does the money come from? Hmm. Where does the supplies come from? If you... Can I take your order, please? <laughs> Would you like fries with that? 
It's a drive-through. It's a drive-through bar. What? What? They they toss the burger out of the airlock and you're supposed to catch it out. Exactly. That's what your limpets are for, mate. (laughs) Burger collection limpets. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but you need a separate limpet controller if you want to get a burger in the beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burger limpet controller. Yeah, and yeah. it takes a size two slot. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well that sounds super fun. Actually, that sounds really, really good. Was there a? Uh, I don't suppose the 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 twelve foot long cobra was there from the Frontier Expo. <laughs> no, no, it's, that's property of Frontier. But this is all stuff that's actually made, if you like, by amateurs and not necessarily paid. Yeah, okay. it. So it's more of a hobby thing rather than professional. Yeah. And um, uh, rare, rare insight into the life of Shan. Uh, is this something, is this a hobby of yours? Do you make models? It is, yeah. I've been doing it for, well, I started when I was really young uh, doing ethics model, painting ethics models and budgerigars. That's real budgerigars. Do the budgies mind you painting, painting them? Painting actual birds? Yes. Right. Okay. And it was all my mother's fault because um, the gone brought me in. I think I was about five, and the gone brought me an Airfix airliner and um, and some orange Airfix paint. You know the the smelly paint, and all and they, they put me in the kitchen, which is where the budgie was. And they always used to go to the budgie, pretty boy, pretty boy. Now the budgie was blue and white, and I personally did not regard blue and white as a pretty color scheme. Oh, so joke. I decided to change the colour scheme of the budgie. You painted an actual bird. A live bird, yes. <laughs> You're a horrendous human. <laughs> what um, colours did you paint it? Uh, orange and green, I think it was. Orange and green? You painted a bird orange and green? Um, That's but, quite um, on brand for Lave Radio, to be fair. But if, you, uh, if you've ever been a parent, you'll know about the silence rule, in that if your kids are quiet, you know they're up to mischief. Yeah, bad things are happening. And, and my, my parents didn't re- didn't cotton on to the fact that I was suddenly quiet. Uh, and, and they walked in when the budgie was almost completely um, dry. Mm. So it, it was rather stiffly. <laughs> oh, God. bird. So they immediately shouted at me and sent me to bed. Well, they set about rubbing Swarfiga. Oh. Into, into the budgie in front of the fire to try and get the paint out. How did the budgie take it? How was the budgie? The budgie actually lived a really long time, actually. It lived about 10 years after afterwards. So it died when it was about 13, I think, which for budgie is pretty old. Yeah. So, so it's I, a, a lot of white, white spirits. Um, it's a green sort of slimy stuff. Oh, that like, green gunk, yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but so apparently it lived uh, a lot longer than expected as a budgie. So, <laughs> wow. if you wish to prolong the lifetime of your budgie, paint it. Paint it. <laughs> you do realize, actually, you need to do an experiment here, Shantho. You need to get twin budgies, actually, you know, triplets, paint one, leave one alone, and then paint, paint one. Actually, no, f- paint one, well, paint one in anything. No, red, so then see if it goes faster. Okay, yeah. Well, I was thinking you need to paint, paint with Sofiga, nothing, and possibly Sofiga alone. Unfortunately, we just had the one budgie in my, my no, this model is, this is making No, something that Adam Shan needs to do. No, because I'll get locked up. 
you, you, you do things to crewmen. I bet you do things to budgies. You haven't been locked up already. Um, for for no. science. <laughs> you do it. I don't have room for a budgie. I've just called the RSPB. <laughs> yeah, just go to a rescue shelter and try it on dogs. No, no, do not just go to a rescue shelter. My God, <laughs> horrendous. Ben, what have you been doing? I've been lurgifying. Did I mention that I saw Doctor Sleep? I can't remember if I mentioned that last week or not. Yeah, that was last week's news. Um, <laughs> and that was your big bit of news last week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've done that. I tell you guys, I went to the cinema a month ago. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've basically, I've been, I've been hibernating with Lurgy, and I've been playing Red Dead Redemption slash Red Dead Redemption Online, and how, having a how is it? having, I've been, I've been thoroughly enjoying it. How's online? Is it as good as um, GTA Online? Is it very different? It's a very different beast, surprisingly enough. Yeah, because okay. I, I honestly, I going into Red Dead, I was expecting it to be like Grand Theft Auto in in the Wild West. Yeah, with horses. Yeah, yeah, Grand Theft Auto. And it, it's not. It's a lot. I'm doing a lot more role playing kind of stuff compared cool. to what I do in GTA. You know, GTA, I run around, I shoot people, I do missions. Yeah, and all that stuff. And you do do all that stuff in Red Dead, but I'm also, you know, I'll get off my horse and I'm deliberately going off and cleaning it and feeding it. Did you, did you, did you get the chance to get off your horse and drink your milk? Pardon? There was, a, there was an advert many years ago with John Wayne. He used to get off his horse in the cowboy advert and go, get off your horse and drink your milk. I've not actually seen any milk in game. I've seen cows, <laughs> but I haven't seen any milk. Um, I've gotten off my horse and drunk a whiskey. That's interesting that you say it's a bit more of like an immersive. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah. One of the things I've enjoyed the most, and this is ridiculous, is just wandering around the fields, picking up flowers. <laughs> how do how do you pick up? Like <coughs> you, you, you walk around, and there are various flowers. Like flowers and herbs and and carrots and vegetables and apples and all that kind of stuff, and you you know you pick them up and you can eat them or oh, like, use like them crafting. For crafting. Yeah, like, it's yeah, okay, yeah, 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 fair enough. Okay, cool. Um, and um, is um, is on? Have you been playing more online or more of the? the... I've I've touched online just basically enough to get my character created. Yeah. Um, so that when if someone says Ben will play online for a bit, I've done all the yeah, staff yeah, yeah. missions, but that's yeah, really cool. about all I've done. Yeah, okay. Um, I played a little bit with Psycho Cow and his wife, and some other members of the Elite Dangerous community. I have done so. I have done a wee bit of stuff. Hmm. Um, had a lot of fun running around a post office, hog tying everybody, <laughs> because that's what you kind of thing you do in a post office. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, every time, every time I go to the post office, I don't leave without hog tying at least one person. So, oh, yeah. I won't go there. Don't no, no, go go there if you want to. He'll be asking about painting your horse or something. No, no, I was, I was, <laughs> I was just, just thinking. So, um, I was going to say, so Sue, you've never gone in and hog tied the postmistress. mistress. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure I could actually. I'm just thinking about the postmistress at the moment in my local post office. I'm. Uh, I think I'll have to put in some training uh, <laughs> to do that. Speaking of which, how the hell's your training going, Jan? Uh, which training is this? Oh, your... the, the the boot camp. Oh, yes, it's um. It's finished, isn't it? Is that right? No, no. I've got three more weeks of it. Ooh, bloody hell! Gosh. 
Um, no, it's doing all right. I um, what was it I did on Thursday? Oh, that's right. It was some horrendous torture exercise where you have to get yourself in like the press up position, mm. and you ha- you you're in like a line of people, sort of a, a horizontal line of people, and you have a twenty kilo ball. You have to yep. try and get under the bridge of people and then you do that forward and back, forward and back, forward and back. And you, you do that for about 20 minutes continuously like a race. So mm. it's it's all about being able to hold the press up position and not collapse in heat. Oof, bloody hell. Gosh. Um, okay, well that sounds wonderful. Uh, okay, somebody who has definitely got something A, interesting and B, related to what we're all here for. Primetime Casual, how the hell have you been and how was your weekend? Well, this weekend, okay. this weekend has been very Fast. hectic, very hectic and, and uh, tiresome. Yeah, very chaotic, actually. And um, I don't want to spoil too much, but it all started you know, last weekend, actually, when I went to a, a castle and they had some animals and I actually tried my hand at falconry for a bit. Wow. I, I was allowed to do that. Yeah, and it was quite fun seeing a... A bird of prey, like sort of swoop down from from a tree down towards the stand of people, and then pull up at the last second. Mm. You did a lot of paint to cover an eagle, wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> there was falcons. There was a vulture. There was an eagle. Yeah, I only was allowed to do the the small falcon and hold that one, but it was That's quite interesting. Fun. It was fun. A beautiful birds, and of course, this swooping down and pulling up at the last second, kind mm. of leads to this weekend where we had uh, Speedball 3. Yes. Which, which as we will find out later, is um, I think we can safely claim to have hosted the most expensive race in Elite Dangerous history. <laughs> With a lots of booms. Lots of booms. I've just seen some statistics and it'll be a, it'll be amazing if we can, can show some later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got, um, we've got a, a bit of tonight's show uh, earmarked yeah. for the speed okay. ball, so we'll go through it. Um, just, just, just very quickly, because I'm, I'm really curious. How many people yeah. did you get out to? Um, was it? Uh, remind me, was it key? Um, no, we did, or something? no, no, no. We did it uh, within the bubble this time at sixty-one Reginas, which is oh, yeah. two or three jumps from Seoul, so easily accessible. And it showed we did some some promotional streams before, and we had at least. 40 45 people uh, coming in and trying to trying to raise nice that's a brilliant yeah. result that's really good yeah. cool all right well we'll look forward to touching on that a bit more later on um okay this let's see development news what have the devs said this week um there was a really really good uh episode of discovery channel uh channel channel um no discovery scanner sorry that's um, called the Sounds of Space. Was this uh, was this on Thursday as they normally are? It was on Thursday, and that was absolutely amazing. This um, is all about them uh, being contacted by the the astronomy group and and using real. I, I thought you were going to say it was all about Frontier being contacted by real life aliens there, <laughs> which would be awesome too. It would, yeah, be equally awesome. It arguably, or we, if if that was the case, we'd probably shunt it to main discussion. I think. Possibly. Maybe. Um, yeah, tell us about it, Ben. Um, right, so it was with... What's his name? Um, 
so the space weather researcher from the Nigel Meredith from the British Antar Antarctic Survey was the main guy there. They also had Joe Hogan as the elite dangerous person. Mm. Who is um, Joe Hogan? Sorry, he's the lead audio designer. Right. Okay. Our principal audio designer, or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and you happen to have talked to me just as somebody's interdicting me, but that's okay. I can I can try and walk and chew gum <laughs> at the same time. Remember, select another system. <laughs> oh no, this is on the uh, Imperial Courier. He's going to die. Okay. Um, but what I loved about it was they were just playing all the different sounds. It's the sounds we currently got in game when you listen to the uh, uh, FFS scanner. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It wasn't any new gameplay that they were announcing or talking about, but they're just talking about the science that they did for collecting all the sounds, what the sounds actually mean, where they come from, how the guys go and get them from. I want to say Jodrell Bank, I think, was one of at least one of the radio observatories, but also from lots of other radio observatories as well. Do they? Um, um... With the sounds from the FSS, have they just um, have they got a collection of cool sounds and just applied them to any old planet, or do the sounds correspond to the planets? Oh no, the, the sounds correspond to the planet. So you go off and you scan a planet like Jupiter, for example, mm. and they will give you sounds from Jupiter. No way. That. Yeah. So yeah, it used to be a way of differentiating earthquakes. <laughs> in the old system, because you could uh, set your game sounds up um, in the required way, and then you would just highlight the planet and listen. And if you heard, like, birds singing and stuff like that, it was an Earth-like. Oh, yeah, that was before FSS, wasn't it? It was, yes. That's very cool. That's but, I mean, you can still cool. hear the differences. It's just... You've yeah. got, it's just a different set of things to identify now. Yeah, yeah. And wh where are um, they pulling the sounds from? Various real-world things from throughout, you know, throughout history and throughout, throughout time and history they've been pulling the sounds. Uh, mm. so, like, so the guys are saying that they... I'm sure so they said some of the stuff is coming from Georgia Bank, but some of it, I want to say, is coming from the... Some of, they're talking about the Cassini missions and things as well. Oh wow, that's really cool. where they're you know then they're basically some of it's coming from real radio observatory stuff and then converting it into audio waves because yeah. obviously you know we can't hear light. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work so well. How can we tell? How do we know that's where they've cut, they've gone from? Because we we can't exactly go. Oh, to we can't. Back. We sort of have to take their word for it. Yeah. Yeah, we we can't know any of that, but. <clears throat> You know, can, example, how do we know yeah. the water world sound isn't you know is from some astrophysicist's laboratory and not just David Braidwood in the bath or something like that? How do we <laughs> I actually think it's much more likely to be David Braidwood in the bath. I think all of the FSS is I don't want to really think about David Braidwood in the bath, to be honest. And mm. that's coming from me. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, I, I guess there actually isn't any sound in space, so no. all of it, it, all of it, will be interpretations or soundifying. Well, it's like you know, you look at the photos from Hubble, and yeah. ninety percent of those things that are on Hubble's photos ain't what Hubble actually saw. Yeah, no, precisely. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. scientists take the zeros and ones that Hubble gives them and then manipulates them to make it look into a pretty picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, but that's what the ship does, isn't it? In game, supposedly. Oh, yeah, that's the fan wank, anyway. <laughs> Which is why we really want when you know you're firing your lasers, you want the rubber duck as your laser sound going <laughs> <laughs> as you're firing your lasers. We, we know we want this. That would be really good, actually. Yeah, yeah sounds like um, cos- cosmetics that are sounds would be really cool. Like I would love sign packs. Customizable laser colors as well as customizable laser sounds would be super yeah. fun. I would be all. I would be all for. Yeah, I'd, I'd be all for the Simpsons sign pack, for example. Mm, yeah. Or yeah, yeah. you know, keep it in Frontiers IPs and give me a Jurassic World sound pack so that when <laughs> I go off and fire a multi cannon, I hear a T Rex roaring. Yeah, or, or I mean, Planet Zoo. I'd love be? a Planet Zoo soundtrack. I'd like to hear. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, apparently. Uh... A uh, little bit of motoring trivia here. Um, apparently, the September this year and onwards, Tesla Model 3s have a sound generator in them that makes a certain sound when you're driving forward and back at uh, at low speed. Because that's part of the new regulations that, you know, electric yeah. cars yeah. need to make a noise. Uh, Elon Musk, however, has, has just uh, announced a couple of weeks ago that the driver will be able to customize what sounds the car makes as it goes forward <laughs> and back. That's so cool. I want a fart sound come back. Yeah. That's the most brainless <laughs> legislation. Fantastic. Um, okay, cool. And when was it? Was it Thursday? Yes, it was, it was on Thursday. The stream's obviously available on YouTube now for anyone to watch. And if you haven't watched it and you like sciencey, spacey stuff, watch it. Not for the game content stuff. Watch it for the sciencey, spacey stuff because it's awesome. And if you if you find yourself on that YouTube channel and you don't like sciencey, spacey stuff, it would be worth asking what the hell you're doing there because it's the Elite Dangerous Fair enough. Uh, YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, what else? We. There was also the Frontier Developments annual general annual general meeting, um, which somebody called we... Invested Geordie went to. Are we going to talk about that later, or is that going to be our main discussion? Well, we've got a couple of things, haven't we, for our main discussion. That'll be a rubbish main discussion. It'll be really boring. And it's, it's also not the main discussion. Um, Shan, do you want to take us through this? Well, there was a... Um... There was an attendee at the annual general meeting for investors uh, at Frontier. Now, I don't think we actually know who this person is, other than that they go by the Twitter name of Invested Geordie. Yeah, so they're probably um, from Newcastle and they probably own shares. Or they could be from London and they're just trying to throw people off the scent. But anyway... Anyway, the the tweet he put out, it was almost like a... um, a very quick write-up of the meeting. Um, and there's a few parts in there that I thought were particularly of interest. And uh, he, this investor, then asked David Braben about um, Elite. And um, David Braben said, well, Elite was his baby, but uh, all Frontier Games are David's baby, but Elite was his firstborn, so to speak. And uh, David Braven this is, assured me that the code base will be renewed via a paid expansion, um, presumably the 2021. Now, 
I'm not a professional developer or code programmer, but if someone says to you, we are renewing the code, what do they mean? Uh, well, I mean, it sort of just means, I guess, that they're going to do a patch. I, I, I don't, I, I, I've seen this on Twitter and I saw it in, um, and I, and I, I saw, saw it in the show notes and, on, and being discussed elsewhere. I, I feel like everybody's getting their knickers in a twist. Like if David Braben says, yeah, we're, we're, we're reviewing the code base and it'll be overhauled as part of a paid extant, expansion, what he means is we're going to make changes to the game and people are going to pay for it. We already know that. It's 2020. This isn't news. Well, this is what I was wondering, because there's part of me that thinks we're so desperate for news and content, we're clutching at straws, and anything that sounds relatively new and exciting is then pounced upon. Um, but it was just the term renewed that puzzled me, because if you renew something, it almost implies as though it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a significant rewrite, rather than it's a, it's a paid expansion which is adding new content, you're renewing it, you're taking something that's already there and, and replacing it. So mm, yeah. it was just, it was just, it just uh, uh, an unusual word. Um, yeah. and, and it does kind of fit in with what we were speculating a while back about the game's code base being so convoluted and hard to maintain. They might well be just ditching most of it and... Um, starting again but then the other thought that does occur to me was well if you were doing that why would you then have all the effort in debugging code now yeah okay uh prime time casual do you want to jump in yeah uh, i've seen the news and since i had to translate all that uh, developer mumbo jumbo for uh, burr for example for, for the burr pit um what are I you a developer by the way Yes, I'm a software developer by, by profession. So what I think is basically what uh, you just said, the code base is so old and they tried out different directions in the beginning. I mean, you can see that the SRE, for example, is a different thing from the SLF and you can't wing and multi-crew at the same time. Hmm. So all these these modules uh, weren't developed with interaction between them in mind and with with each module they gained more experience and more technology and try different approaches but they can't bring the old stuff ex especially the srv uh, to the new code base to the new engine so they have to rewrite it i think this will be probably mostly the the server backend because that's handling a lot of that stuff and when he says renew it with a paid expansion what i think he means is because rewriting the engine is very um very high effort you know it, it costs yeah. a lot in, in terms of manpower um that they'll use a paid expansion with with features in it to basically pay for that to to finance this effort yeah and then bring everybody on the same code base because otherwise you would have a, a separation of user base between people mm. who have the new expansion who have the new code base and people who haven't yeah yeah, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely perfect yeah. sense. Um, ben? Just to quickly clarify a point that I think you're saying there, Primetime. So, yes, you'll, you'll be paying for the 2020 expansion, but you think, and I think, that anyone who's ever bought Elite would get all of this new updated libraries and all that kind of stuff in the base game. We just wouldn't get Space Legs or whatever the new feature is. Yes, that's what I think. That Yeah. Okay, Shan? Yes, I was just sort of 
listen to what was what was being said and I'm just thinking about the 2020 update and I still think it's going to be an almost separate but connected executable or gate. I, I, I can't see how you can seamlessly transition between flying in space and getting out of your ship and then walking around on a planet without some degree of loading screen in there. PCs may be able to handle it, but consoles, I, I just think it will be, if you want to go space legs, you'll start up, I don't know, the space legs version of Elite, and that will then put you into the space legs option. So if you're talking about renewing and redoing code, maybe you don't need to have a complete rewrite of the entire game, just the bits for the expansion. Uh, maybe yeah, but but on the other hand you want the interaction and you want uh, the new code base available for everything because you want to do more stuff with with multi-crew with wings and with, with SOVs and you already have quite a few disguised loading screens in the game the, the yeah. FSD is, is a loading stream essentially yeah um, it's why we can't super cruise between systems then you could also count the the sequence where the SLF launches or the SOV gets dropped. That is basically a loading screen. It's a very well disguised one, but it is one. So you can you Moving can hide between that. any instance. You can, yeah. but it's it's in terms of shifting from um, spacecraft to walking around to base building. That's an awful lot of assets and stuff to load more than you ever get from launching an SRV or jumping hmm. into jumping into uh, supercruiser or something well, like you'll that. Have it a, seems to be You'll have a lengthy sequence of putting on your suit then. Yeah, that, that would make sense. I mean, like you, a, a you have the, the assets in some form available um, in the first place because you want to see the structures you build from your spaceship. There'll, so there'll, there'll, there'll be, be a sequence of um, seeing the seeing the pilot get out of the chair as well because we saw from the Crate Mark II promo video, we saw the, the, anim the chairs, we saw pilots getting into the chairs and the way the chairs are animated. It's, they're, they're not static. They... Bits, bits of the chair move around the user. Um, so presumably, getting out of the chair is 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 more than a button click. It, there's like a second. But of... how many times will you want to see that before it gets terribly boring and you'll want just, God's sake, get on with it? Uh, well, we put up with it for, with the FSD, don't we? But that's not a long transition. It's 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 minimum thirteen seconds. It's much longer than um, it's much longer than the, than what I'm proposing. Have you been on the launch of Distant Worlds 2 and seen how long it took? To <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, we're sort of slightly getting off topic. Um, I think I, I think part of me agrees with you, Shannon, that, you know, how, how the hell are they going to do it? But they have been saying, for, well, no, they, they stopped saying it about three years ago, but, but six, five or six years ago, they were saying that they've built the game with this in mind. They've completely designed it from the ground up to be able to do this. Um, so it's, you know, your skepticism is absolutely healthy, but at the same time, they said they were going to do it. You know, that was that was the plan they from the beginning. Did but the plan from the beginning has diverted somewhat to what the plan is now. I mean, I'm just going later on down the the tweet. Um, this quote: "This is great news, as the QA team aren't picking up bugs. It seems that's quite a startling statement." Anyway, uh, this may be a pipeline issue, but I feel after speaking to the board, modern engineering practices are very well embedded 
And this is rather that the product code base needs to be rationalized and the paid update will fix current and future ills. What the hell does any of that mean? What on earth does any of that mean apart from the code base needs fixing, which no which which is news to nobody? I read that as the way they code and the way and the methodology they use, whether it's agile, scrum or whatever. Um that's all in place and embedded, but they're if you like trying to put lipstick on a pig. Yeah, okay. So the code base needs needs fixing. Yeah, if if you think as the code of the code base as like the foundation of a building, yeah, um, what you have is you know how to build it. You have basically your architects and your um, inspectors all happy to do their stuff, but you have the foundation was built on like several different decades with with different um, materials and stuff. So it works somehow. It it holds everything up, but you can't really build big stuff on it. So you need to unify it. Yeah, okay. That makes perfect sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. Obsidian Ant has covered this in his most recent 3305 video. So check that out if you want um, one of his excellent potted overviews. Um, I guess we could... Uh, I'm quite tempted to move on to the the Interstellar Initiative, which is which is kicked off... Um, Arrestingly quickly. Um, does anybody want to to speculate any more or have anything more to say about the um, uh, about the the AGM and the uh, Twitter feed? There was a comment which I think fits potentially in with a topic that's coming up. Um, so we might, I might well return to the tweet yeah. at the latest part of the show. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Um, Interstellar Initiative, the the Galconda. I, um, uh, I I've I've actually just been flying around there this evening. Um, I went to visit the the ship for the first time, um, and um, it's beautiful. Um, and then got got a bit involved in the CG. Um, it's happened very quickly. And I was listening. I was listening to the um, uh, to Galner, and there was a. There was a, a, a brilliant reference to the system, the unpronounceable system in which the ship is, was mentioned in the last Galnet article uh, as part of the Scourge, Scourge um, coverage. It said, oh, you know, we, we've, we've received an interesting distress, distress call from unpronounceable system, but apart from that, we think everything's okay or something. And, and, and it was great because it really fed in. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I really wasn't expecting this so quickly. I think... Back in the beginning of the year, uh, Frontier told us to expect an interstellar initiative. Told us to expect an interstellar initiative every six weeks or so, um, and this has been hot on the heels. Um, have either of you, or have any of you, been getting involved in it yet? Uh, yes, I did some cargo shipping out there on my way to doing the bounty hunting part of the CG. Yeah, so I'm not active. I'm not actually kind of. Yeah, you know, going going at it full full on, um, but I've started it, and I believe there's a decal involved next week as well. Yes, um, for that. But yeah, I, I'm quite enjoying it as, as a concept actually. Um, mm. Although, and yes, there is a competing aim, isn't there? There's if the Empire wins, they construct a base for them, and they, you know, live happily ever after on the base. And if the Federation wins, they Get a new shiny new space station to live on. 
Um, but I wondered, I just wondered, where's the evil alternative? Where is the getting the whole population hooked on onion head? Oh, for God's sake. When, or, if they, or narcotics or something like that. Why can't you just give because them Because it's boring. Don't? Because it's boring. You can't just give people evil and good choice. Like that. That's like fable morality from about 2004. You know, things, you, things need to be morally nuanced to be interesting. And, if, and if, if they were binary, you'd be like, oh, God, how boring. Well, I was just thinking about the... Because um, the plot line of it is actually very similar to a lot of Star Trek episodes, you know, mm. where there's this um, isolated civilization and they go down and the Prime Directive comes in place and someone messes up to the Prime Directive and then blah, blah, blah. So that would have been a quite a more nuanced kind of way of kind of bringing it in. Um, but I, I just wanted something where you could, like, wipe out the entire population or something like that. Just, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I see what you mean, actually. Yeah, it would have been... They're, they're both helping and they're both a bit huggy, aren't they, both the CGs? It might, yeah, I mean, potentially something that's a little bit more self-serving and, and not as... Not as greater outcome for the for the inhabitants of the ship would have been interesting. I, I mean, cause, yeah, because I mean the the empire is notionally, uh, isn't it? It's supposed to be tailored after the Roman Empire and also the British Empire, I believe. And of course, what uh, the British Empire did to the population in China with the um, <clears throat> basically got them all hooked on uh, heroin, so they would then buy the heroin off them. Yeah. Uh, in exchange for tea. So, you know, what, why can't we do that sort of thing? Yeah. The yeah, yeah. Wars. Why couldn't we do, like, you know, opium wars, get them hooked on something, and then, I don't know, that sort yeah. of exploitative thing, rather than, here we are, here's a new happy, crappy place. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Ben, what do you reckon? Oh, I don't know if we're wanting to play the ship logs or not, um, but these guys want to be left alone. You know, I would like... They constantly say, bugger off, leave us alone. They don't want to go onto planets. They don't want to go into an outpost. They want everybody to piss off, leave them alone, and give them a couple of give them a couple of capages and let them be on the way. These do, are both evil options. Do we have the the logs to play? Because I'd love to hear them. They're quite long though, aren't they? I'm sure we can play them, but they're quite. We we there's about ten minutes of logs, but they're well worth a listen, and I that mean, gives us a chance to go get a cup of tea. They're not in game at the moment. Um, I've oh. I visited it today and they've stopped playing. So I would really oh, like to hear them. And yeah, and 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 presumably other people would. Let's play them. Um, Ventura, do you have? Uh, is it possible to play the logs from the, whatever it's called, the Galcon? Yep. Sure. No problem. Awesome. Yeah, let's pop them on. All right, um, listeners, have uh, put this in your ears, and we'll see you in ten minutes' time. Captain Jonathan Forrester, the Golconda colony needs your help. I don't know how else to say it. To anybody hearing this, this is what's happening. We have a full colony of people on board this vessel. That's tens of thousands of people. And until recently, we've been entirely self-sufficient. But supplies are starting to run low. More specifically, we're lacking a lot of technical components. Air filters, water recyclers, circuit boards, things like that. And it's getting harder to patch this equipment up every year. There's only so long we can make do with what we have. And the other thing, 
And this is the real kicker, is that there's a disease going around which is knocking us sideways. Flu-like symptoms, but much more serious. People are dying. We're coping as best as we can, but our medical supplies are running low. And if this turns into a full-blown epidemic, then we're going to be in real big trouble. So I made the decision to reach out to you, whoever you are. Hopefully the techs uh, moved on enough for our signal to be picked up this far out. But the others really weren't sure if I should be doing this, because people here don't want interference from outsiders. But I don't want to worry them by explaining the reality of our situation. They're good people. I don't want them to be scared. So here I am, recording a call for help. Trust me, I wouldn't be asking if I didn't need to. I feel like I don't really know how to do this. I hope you understand. It's been a while. Captain Jonathan Forrester, signing off. This is Dr. Shea Tandis. Captain Forrester has asked me to summarize the situation on board the Golconda, particularly in regards to a recent outbreak of disease. I must preface this by saying that any attempt to summarize the situation feels inadequate. There is so much to say about the symptoms, the development of our detection methods, and existing treatment philosophies. Nevertheless, I will attempt to speak concisely for the purpose of this broadcast. The disease, known colloquially among the people as the wasting kiss, is a mutated strain of viral nasopharyngitis. One of the drawbacks of living in an atmospherically self-contained structure for hundreds of years is that illness tends to linger. We can't very well sterilize a ship of this size, and with each generation these illnesses adapt to remain virulent, this one particularly so. Antiviral treatments aren't particularly effective, merely delaying the disease's progress. We have confirmed six deaths in the past month attributable to the disease. Our medical supplies are somewhat limited, adequate for maintaining health in the occasional serious illness or accident. In the event of a full outbreak, with hundreds of patients requiring treatment, we may be forced to resort to measures such as full quarantine and isolation. When the captain first suggested opening communication with outsiders, I must confess to a certain hesitation. On reflection, it would seem the logical decision for the well-being of the crew. One can only imagine what pharmaceutical advancements have been made over the last millennia. The possibilities are fascinating. Rick Blanchard, security chief of the Golconda. First things first, the safety and protection of the people aboard this ship is my primary objective. During my tenure, we've reduced the rate of crime aboard this vessel by 32%. Violent crime is rare, and there hasn't been a murder in over six years. My team are well-trained and do this ship proud in how they address the very specific demands of the Golconda. You might think an isolated, space-faring colony of thousands with no horizons, seasons, or other planetary benefits would have gone mad and initiated some kind of mass tragedy. Well, not on my watch. Which is why I need to be clear in my opposition to the captain's decision to send out a distress call. Humanity doesn't enjoy a stellar record of respecting the rights and well-being of indigenous communities. Hell, we don't know what humanity is anymore past the confines of this thousand-year hole. 
the risks outweigh the advantages. I'll follow the captain's order, because he's not let us down yet. Got a good mind of that one. But I'm asking whoever hears this message to understand that we're looking for a trade of goods and resources only. Communication with the general populace of the Golconda is forbidden. Messages regarding developments outside of the Golconda is forbidden. Direct contact between outsiders and Golconda colonists during an exchange of cargo is forbidden. We've always dealt with hard times ourselves. If it were my call, we'd deal with this by ourselves too. This is Aaron Gray of the Golconda. It's my responsibility as custodian to manage the needs of our people and ensure that everyone is fairly represented. I'm recording this message to satisfy the curiosity of anyone who may respond to our distress signal, I suppose. Truth be told, I'm, I'm not sure what to say. We're more than just a colony, you see. We're, we're a family. Whenever a challenge is put in front of us, we resolve it together. When success is achieved, we celebrate collectively. We, we have, it's hard to put into words. Our ancestors chose to remain on this vessel centuries ago and leave our original destination behind. They did so because they had grown to love what they had achieved. Logs from that period show their anxiety at the prospect of leaving the Golconda. The generation ships were designed to keep colonists healthy, happy, and entertained. And somewhere in our journey, we came to feel loved too. And yet, all things must come to an end. Sickness is rife and supplies are low. After so long fending for ourselves, the time has come to seek assistance from a civilization we, we no longer know. The captain believes that humanity has a heart and will come to our aid. If you're listening to this message, we're probably going to find out if he's right soon enough. Thomas Cobb, chaplain. I serve the Golconda, and the Golconda embraces me. Long ago, I would have been called a priest, somebody authorized to provide guidance according to the rules of a religion. That's the role my predecessors fulfilled, at least. Eventually, the old texts were set aside in favor of a less rigid spiritual philosophy. Being able to view the entire nebula over breakfast inclines one towards the contemplative. There are few things more reformative than a sense of complete insignificance. Now, my role is to show my brothers and sisters that we are all important. Each of us has a role to play. We cannot concern ourselves with the scale of the stage. All we can do is deliver the best performance we can. Each person aboard the Golconda can trace their heritage from the first inhabitants to the current day. In the present, we contemplate the spirit and the soul, allowing the voices of the past to inform our future. Our respect for them, combined with our belief in each other, creates a community of hope. And here we are, over a thousand years later, about to reach out a hand and hope that humanity accepts it. What lies in store for us, I wonder? What lessons have been learned from history? 
While I am nervous at the thought of outside assistance, I must admit the question intrigues me. What did we become? Yeah, but um, it's pretty fascinating. They're also very long. You can't really argue. Uh, it's difficult to, to argue that Frontier don't care about um, immersion and context and that sort of thing um, when you've got 10 minutes of that. Um, Primetime Casual, what were your thoughts? Well, I have to say, uh, this was the first time that I actually heard them. I haven't heard them before. Um, I don't know quite the details of the Stellar Initiative, but um, Ben said, well, basically both are evil options mm. for whatever reasons, and I think I can agree with them. Um, but what you're forgetting is that you have three options. You have three options. You can do can side with the Empire, with the Federation, or you can decide both are evil and just do nothing and not side with anyone. That is also a choice. Yeah, that's true. Inactivity. Um, and what would you what and, and just let the let the virus play itself out and just observe heartlessly? Well, as someone in in chat said, it's basically illegal to interfere with a generation ship. So if you're playing that card and you're saying uh, the Federation choice is evil and the Empire choice is evil, then well. They are saying they want to be left alone. It was their choice to be on the generation ship for whatever reason. Um, let that play out, you know? Yeah, yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, ben? Uh, I mean, just to expand on both the Federation and the Empire's choices, really are kind of shitty for these poor guys. Yeah, the, the, Fe the Imperials are basically saying, we'll give you a planet. Or we'll, you know, but... We'll give you a planet in the system of the unpronounceable name. Mm. None of these are Earth-like worlds. None of these are anything yeah, more true. than icy bodies. I'm looking at these just now in-game. They're all icy bodies, and the most gravity you've got on one, I think, I saw one that's 0.1G, which <laughs> is... Yeah. Classic. You know, it's about yeah. the gravity of our moon. Yeah. You know, these guys have been used to... So I, I think it's about 0.3G, I think it is, because they haven't got the big, big wheels that are on the Orbises, but they've got the smaller wheels, don't they? Uh, uh, I don't think that, sometimes I, have smaller wheels as well. Yeah, but I don't think they've got the 1G wheel. I think they've got the, the, the slightly lesser than 1G wheel. So, you know, the Empire are basically willing to give them a habitat on an airless ice ball and a dome. Yeah. That's really not very nice. Yeah, that's true. It's 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 arguably much. Yeah, it's arg arguably much harder to live in than uh, than a uh, than a, a ship that's designed to spin to simulate gravity. Yep, and um, they're already set up there. And the Federation, on the other hand, they're, they're not even giving them a spinning section. Yeah, just like hey guys, come and live on this this have an outpost. Yeah, don't bother with any gravity. Yeah, oh, that's a downstay. You look at cubicle three in Latin. That is I mean, a downside from late from the generation ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Shan, uh, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, they, when I first heard the logs, I I thought there was a wide open goal, if you like, for an alternative part of the CG because it says, "Oh, we hope you know, we hope uh, people are kind and nice a thousand years in the future and stuff like that." Well. Uh, the whole premise of Ali is mankind is just crappy to each other 
then as it is now and we haven't changed a bit so you know i, I really don't get the, the two yes they are in quotes evil choices but there should be a a definite you decide to leave them alone and adhere to the prime directive kind yeah. of thing um maybe there should have been a second decal for not taking part the apathy decker. <laughs> yeah, but the prime directive. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be really cool. It, yeah, is interesting. it does. It does throw the. Um, it does throw the. Uh, reading the blurb for the. Um, for the CGs. And uh, sorry, we're, we're actually spoiling it for people who haven't read the forum post because the the CGs for the Empire and the Federation aren't live yet. Um, but um, reading the blurb, there actually isn't much. In in any of the um, the correspondence to date in Galnet or or from the factions that are holding the CGs, there's nothing along the lines of these guys don't want any interference. Like it, it's very much here's an opportunity. Um, and uh, I, I I see what you mean now that it feels like it feels a little bit like the players have been have been robbed of the opportunity to um, to vote with their cargo holds on on uh, on the fate of the the inhabitants. Um, interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, Commander Starion has just commented in chat, they should be thankful they're too big to be dank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, interesting. And um, uh, one thing that struck me as I was listening to the logs is that it's quite optimistic of those um, uh, of the people on, on board the ship to expect that humanity's still around in a th- like a thousand years later. I mean, a thousand years is a really long time. We've had We've had weapons that could blow up the entire planet and kill all of us for about five percent of that, um, and um, uh, and have come pretty pretty close to doing so on a couple of occasions. It, it seems, I don't know, it seems improbable to me that if they left in the twenty second century, I'm not very up on elite law, but I think we were still a uniplanet, uh, uniplanetary species at that point. Um, it seems quite optimistic that they think that humanity is still out there. Um, if it was me, I'd be like, "Oh, it's, it's a thousand years. We, they must all be dead. It must just be us." Uh, yeah, I just commented in in the chat. I mean, prime time said the apathy decal would be the most widespread free decal ever. <laughs> <laughs> to which I then replied, "Yeah, it would just be a blank circle because people are CBA to put anything in it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Uh, right. The um, there's a a video that acts as an introduction to the uh, to the CG. Uh, just can I, Sue? Can I just very quickly raise a point that you you're mentioning that it's optimistic of them to think that Humanity we're still around. Around. Yeah. Uh, but he does actually say, you know, the captain has obviously seen something. Because he's saying, "I made a, I made the decision to reach out to you, whoever you are, and hopefully the tech has moved on enough. On hopefully the tech has moved on enough for our signal to be picked up this far out." So mm. I was reading that as like they have seen something, and they think you know they see ships that look human-like Maybe. out here, but obviously we've just not interacted with them. Yeah, because they'd have telescopes and stuff, wouldn't they, to be able to oh, peer yeah. out the windows? 
Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. Let's face it, anyone who's hanging around their observation domes at the moment will be seeing ships buzzing around them like flies. Well that's because they've that's because they reached out, but before but I guess my yeah. point is before they reached out, there's no there's there's no evidence that they would have even there's no evidence that they would have had any evidence that um that humanity were yep. I mean you just know though, you just know that some commander has gone up to the observation deck and mooned <laughs> the population <laughs> of the Golconda, don't you? Oh god, yes. I was uh, basically landing on the on the <coughs> domes earlier. Um, they've got little tractors in there. It's really cool. Um, Are they? Yeah, if you the, the the domes that they use for farming, they they appear to eat a lot of cabbage. The uh, the Galconda <laughs> inhabitants. Um, the That's domes probably why the airs. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they all want to get off. We've eaten nothing but cabbage for a thousand years. We're breathing the same air. <laughs> But yeah, the um, the the little domes have. Uh, oh, I have, see. They got red and blue tractors in them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh wow! Does um, does anyone know if the Golconda actually has a a meaning? Because when I first heard it, I thought it was like some sort of monster B movie. You know, mm. the Golconda attack. I see, what, does it actually mean anything? Has it got any mythological references? It's a city in Illinois. Um, and by city. Americans use city for hamlet, don't they? So it's a collection of houses in Illinois. That's one thing it is. Um, it There's a DJ called DJ Galconda. What else is there? Is he famous enough to have a generation ship named after him? Well, evidently. Evidently, over the next, uh, over the next 1,200 years, he, uh, he or she absolutely explodes in popularity. Um, and... Uh, and eventually have ships launched in their name. Oh, one crow may have got it. Yeah. In chat, yeah. Um, it says it's a noun. It's a source of wealth, advantage or, advantages or happiness. Uh, and it's about saying the posters are calling emigrants from Europe to the Golconda to the American West. So maybe it's some sort of reference to a sailing ship or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Nice one, Crow. Um, cool. Okay. What's this video link? Uh, play t -t -t as an introduction to it. it. Takes ten minutes. Is that what we've just played? Is it just the audio, or is or should we drop that in the show? There was a video yeah. in as well, but uh, Norman's played that when we were listening. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we've right. done that. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Well, um, look, I want to to move on to talk about the next little bit of community news. Um, does anybody have any anything else to chip in on? Um, on the Galconda front. Um, I've just noticed Wotherspoon in chat says, it's an inhabited system, of course they would have seen other ships, um, which is a fair point. They would presumably have picked up. Um, picked well, up maybe the Galconda people were mooning the ships. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, right, well, if, if, if nobody else has anything to, to add to that, we'll move on to, um, to the Triple Elite Discord news. Um, so this is uh, th this popped up for me today. I think it's fairly I think it's fairly uh, fairly recent. But um, Will Flanagan today has um, uh, actually I, I could read the post. Should we explain what the AAA group? AAA. Yes. Okay. So um, back in the distant ben, past. Sorry. Hello. Ben. Perhaps Ben is able to describe it because yeah. Okay. Ben. ben. So the triple elite groups are a collection of the larger 
and maybe more well-known groups in the Elite Dangerous community. So, for example, I believe EIC's in there. I know Heart of Norbital's in there. Um, oh, I can't... What's the name of... The, um... I can't... Oh, I can't remember. The, the Winged Hussars, I think, are in there. Cannon's in there. It's basically a bunch of groups who are always doing stuff for the community and way back in the dawn of the game, Frontier reached out to them and said, hey guys, how can we support you doing your community events? Um, and they did that, and you know, fr the Frontier, you know, through this we've wound up with things like Distant Worlds, or Distant Worlds 2 rather. Um... Nah, I don't think that was anything to do with trip, the triple elite. Right? Yeah, canon. That was it. Was all done in the same ideas. Was it? Um, yeah, it's all the same it, groups. It's not a um, distant worlds. Isn't a, isn't a player group. It's just Eremus and Kai. It's not. It is. It is Eremus and Kai. But it's they still have communications in there because they they represent a large group of people. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um. So and it's not just as you, as you said it's not just the massive squadrons I guess you could say yeah um, it is also it's other people as well um, you know just groups of people who are always doing stuff in game and always doing stuff for Frontier yeah um, yeah EDC and Facebook's in there um, lots lots of lots of people well. Lots, but not lots, lots, if you know what I mean. For example, Lave Radio Network aren't in there. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't actually think any member of the Orange Sidewinder crew's in there in any facility. Um, oh, we could tell you, but then we'd have to shoot you. Well, it's not, <laughs> no, because it's not under NDA. Um, so they could, they could tell us. So basically, it was a way of for player groups to interact with Frontier community managers about stuff they wanted to do in-game and for the game. Uh, so Will Flanagan posted a um, posted a, uh, a message on the server, I think it was on the server, today saying, I wanted to take this opportunity to give you an update on what is happening with the Triple Elite server. As you all know, we've not been able to provide much support to the Triple Elite system since the start of the year. Originally, our vision for Triple Elite was to have a server set up to bring groups together with Frontier to support your events and activities. After I took over, its original fo focus shifted slightly. He, doesn't, he, he notably does not say to what the focus shifted after he took over. Uh, and towards the start of the year, when I announced that we will not be able to carry on the monthly meetings, I spoke of revamping, revamping and redesigning the Triple Elite server. As a team, we, we're taking a, a wider look at all of presumably the projects. And as we manage multiple projects, I want to ensure that every, anything we run is given the care and attention it deserves. As this is not something I'm able to promise with Triple Elite at the current time, rather than continue it to keep it open, I'll be closing Triple Elite. Um, it's worth mentioning that, some, that supporting our player groups and squadrons is something we obviously still care, care very strongly about and the community team are available. You can contact us if you need our support, have an awesome idea to share or need assistance. I'd like to also take the opportunity to thank each and every one of you who contributed here, be that in the form of our monthly meetings, discussions with the devs, feedback sh sharing sessions, or when we just had randomly chatted about something. 
while Triple Elite will be closed, we're still contactable, and I implore you to reach out to myself, Paige, and Stephen whenever you wish. Uh, what are our thoughts on that? Um, I feel a little bit like uh, if you ever wanted an example of taking, uh, some people say like that Frontiers Communications could seem a bit waffly and boardroomy, um, and I feel like that one is is about as as perfect an exemplar of that as you could want. Um, he it it does uh, it, it does very much leave the impression that um, uh, that the that Frontier are rolling back engagement a little bit with uh, with player groups. Um, what are what are what are your thoughts? I sorry, Ben, will you jump in? No, go ahead, Chan. Go ahead, I was going to say something, but go ahead. Um, I've kind of got mixed views of this because, I, I, yeah, I was never in the Triple Elite streamer group and stuff like that, or the player group. But looking at it from the outside, it seemed to be the DDF version 2. And one of the reasons why the DDF was closed down is because there was a certain attitude in the DDF of entitlement and frontier deserve to listen to us and blah blah blah. So if you're if you shutting down the triple elite group to if you like try and get rid of that um DDF two atmosphere, then you can kind of understand it. If you, if however it was closed down um to if you like uh, batten down the hatches and if you like damage control after the leaks and things like that then that's a change mm. yeah okay Ben see I'm going to kind of go in another direction that maybe it's actually not a bad thing this has happened because Frontier are it'll mean that Frontier for example theoretically if they're not always dealing with the triple elite groups Primetime Casual, for example, could reach out to them and maybe have a better chance of of arranging something as a non-triple elite person with them. Yeah, this is a really, really good point, actually. And um, uh, PTC, you will be really well placed to, to discuss this. We, as um, some, well, something that's persistently come up this year is the idea that Frontier are harder to get hold or hold of than they used to. Um, and we've, we, and amongst us and our guests, we've had veterans saying things like, oh, you know, back in the day, you used to be able to text Will and he'd drop everything to help you out. And, and uh, sorry, um, Ed, and, and now, and now you have to submit your ticket and wait six months before they even, um, before they even uh, reply to you. Um, you have just hosted a large successful, successful event and have, uh, seen a bit of promotion from Frontier. How have you found them to to deal with, and have you um, and 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 also like you know how how much how much effort did it take to to get that engagement from them? Well, obviously they are very busy, so you have to have some kind some patience after all. But I found that they replied uh, faster than last year, actually. Okay. Um, I contacted Stephen about uh, the speedball and. In, in comparison to Will and Ed last year, it took only about a week or so to get back to me. And once that line of communication was established, it was very easy to get hold of him on, on per, via mail or especially on Discord. We had okay. chat quite a while, quite a bit. And he was actually, actually, Stephen wanted to try speedballing himself on the live stream. So they are, in, in my point of view, they are inclined to 
try out the stuff um, that the community comes up with. But they want, I, I think what Ben said is, is true, that they want maybe these, these big groups have too much of a sort of feeling of entitlement of voice of you know, they have to be heard because we're these big groups and maybe they want to you know, give give smaller people a chance give smaller events a chance yeah yeah makes perfect sense i think um i think the uh they might they might think that um the triple elite group no longer um i mean sagittarius eye is not in it has never been approached has never has never asked about it lay radio is not in it uh, the Fatherhood are a big new group. Um, I don't know whether they're in it, but they certainly weren't around during. Um, they certainly weren't around when uh, when it was first set up. Um, it's it's arguable that it that it doesn't reflect uh, the the most um, the Burr Pit, for example, another another bunch of people who create a load of content and uh, and are a really healthy like really fun community for the game that are probably completely unrepresented there so it's you know arguably it's um shutting it down is just a is is just a recognition of a reality on the ground that is that it's not that representative of the community anymore um did you um did you strike up that communication with frontier via dm on discord or was it on the on the forums or or what yeah mick was muted um it was uh, with with mail initially, and then direct messages on on Discord, which worked pretty well. And I think one one of the reasons might also be now just thinking about it: if Triple E, the big big player groups, um, that they are Frontier felt maybe that they were trying to influence the direction they were taking the game, which as a company you can't necessarily you know have because yeah, you yeah, have yeah. a finance financial side to take care of. And by closing that down, they get rid of that that distraction, and now they can support other player-run events that just want to to run events, just need their support for, with with prizes and with um, newsletters and stuff. That's true, and there is a big difference between. Um, I, I am guilty of being a bit whiny in the past myself, but there is a, a definitely a big difference between. I am just creating. I'm just set, setting up an event to be uh, to create fun for other players, and I want more recognition from uh from frontier for for things that i perceive are valuable um and um they're not necessarily the same thing so yeah that makes perfect sense um shan what do you think um i was just thinking that uh back on ben's point that it may well be a double-edged sword because with a triple elite group you had if you like a finite route and a finite number of suggestions that could be channeled through. If you then allow everyone to funnel ideas through, it becomes a scattergun without a focus. So it then takes more effort to filter through um, the events. Well, well, crucially, they haven't replaced it with anything. Well, that's what I mean. So, But the other thing is, and I must admit, Prime, I, I didn't catch your event, but... I think there's a differentiation between something that is easy to live stream and easy to kind of like a single one-off event than it is to try and get hold of a group of developers for an in-depth interview or getting some more time to dig deeper into something. So it's almost as if, and this is purely my opinion, it's almost as though it's easier to get attention for in quotes, 
fluff pieces, then it is to get attention to try and dig into some of the real questions that players have got. Yeah, but if I'm if I may answer, it's as a software developer myself, I would be the same. I wouldn't want to answer in-depth questions. I would love to, but on the other hand, as representing the company, I wouldn't like to answer in-depth questions maybe about the code, about what we're doing, about where we're heading uh, for fear of being quoted on that and then the company changing directions. So I can I can understand that they are, especially with what happened sometimes in the past with people taking word as golden, as set in stone what they said, and then they found out they couldn't do it that way. Um, that they don't necessarily want to do that as much oh, anymore. Well, yeah, t- totally agree with prime time there. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, but that's a change from how it used to be, though, and that was what I was highlighting. It, it used to be relatively easy. And I know on live radio, we've had Sandra on a number of times uh, when we've gone through, say, for example, the crime and the crime and punishment thing, and he's gone into not the exact mechanics, but we've asked him how does you know what was the thought behind that, what happens in this instance, etc. So we've been able to dig into a feature with a designer and they've been prepared to be open and say, well, actually, this is how it works or this and this and this. It's a sh- it would be a shame if we didn't have the opportunity anymore to do that with Frontier and we were uh, limited to um, you know, the, the more event-driven way of communication. I think there might be this might be a neat illustration of of the way that um, community management has changed. Uh, Primetime casual, I may be completely wrong here, but am I right in thinking that you have been playing elite and been uh, organizing events and that sort of thing for about two years or less? Uh, yeah, two years. I think the first speedball was the beginning of last year. Yeah, beginning of two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, okay. So um, I definitely, and this comes back to, uh, I remember when I, I, I took about a year away from the game in uh, 2017. And when I left, uh, when I stopped playing, Canon were, the, Canon were the, the main drivers of all gossip. Ed was the community manager and he had his favorite player groups that he used to interact with all the time. Um, uh a lot of other stuff that I can't really remember. I think AXI didn't exist or were really nascent. Um, I don't think the fatherhood were a thing. I went away for most of a year. I came back um, and suddenly everything's changed. Suddenly there's there's new community managers, play groups that I had been hearing loads about. I'd gone completely dark and, and hadn't contributed anything to the game for, for months. New ones that I'd never heard of were suddenly really big and creating events for players and being featured in the newsletter. There is a natural churn. There is a natural way that these things change. And you see this community managers themselves have players and player groups that they are that they're used to and familiar with and who they um and who they give airtime to. And when those community managers leave or move on to different games, those those new ones come in who have different preferences. Um and this this is all just natural and part of life. And I think that Primetime Casual encapsulates a tolerant attitude of a player who is used to frontier um, engaging on a um, on a more uh, on the kind of level that net, that is now typical, which which in which they probably wouldn't just send um, software developers onto onto fan run um, amateur radio shows to discuss the inner workings of the company, um, and in which they would try and be a bit more structured about the the channels 
in which they um, receive feedback. Whereas Shan has been, you know, and, and actually all of us on the, on the show, um, are beta or alpha backers or Kickstarter backers who were heavily involved in 2013, 2014, um, and are used to going for beers with these people, um, hearing, uh, you know, as Shan said, having them on the show to talk about sort of the inner machinations. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I just think that the, the two viewpoints that we've just heard, one from PTC and one from Shan, illustrate two that they, they, they come from two different attitudes, which are functions of when you, uh, when you both sort of, I guess, join the community, I, I suppose. Shan, what do you reckon? Um, I was, I do agree with you, Steve, and I've been having conversations about this with other sort of members of the community. And I think, and this does back it up, actually, I think Frontier is in transition from being, if you like, an independent developer to being a corporate entity. And uh, so I think this this is a another indication that they themselves are going through a cultural change, and I think, as you quite rightly say, Sue, like the players who are used to Frontier being um, almost like an independent developer, everyone's on first name terms, they know each other, Absolutely. Yep. whatever, are finding the change difficult and challenging because now all of a sudden. Frontier, who used to be like that, are now behaving more like um, electronic arts. Yeah, yeah, to- totally agree with that. I think uh, I think it's we're, we're used to. I mean, if you go on to if you go on to Kickstarter now or Steam Early Access, it's all come and join us. Come, you know, we we want your feedback. We want it. We're developing this game with you in mind. You know, all if you, if you look at any early access game, it's all about um, players. All the positive feedback is about how much the devs interact with the with the community and and how how much they take them into account and all that sort of thing and and you often see comments like looking at space engineers the other day and somebody was saying oh it's so great you know they've actually incorporated things that the, the players have come up with that that is a function of early access slash Kickstarter slash you know we're sort of de- developing indie games Elite Dangerous is no longer that so the transition between one and the other is obviously changes in tone. Um, Primetime Casual said in chat, uh, with more groups and more events, maybe Frontier as a developer need to decide um, whether to feature a few in depth or um, or a, a more shallow level to, of coverage to to cover them all. Um, and um, which is an interesting point because I actually don't think that there are more events. Um, looking back, I'm trying to think back to sort of 3302, 3301, 3302 compared to today. I actually don't think there are more events and more player groups. I just think they're different. Um, people always say, oh, the game's dying because the people they know have left the game, but, but plenty of people join it, and um, both in individuals and groups. And I actually, I mean, potentially, if you're listening and you, and you have an opinion on this, do chip in. But I actually don't think there are more events now than there used to. I think they're just different and held by different groups. Um, prime time. Yeah. Um... What's the point I was going to make? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what you th- what you said about you know alpha and beta and an early access asking for feedback? That's because they're actively developing the core code base and gameplay at that point. And once you have that, you can no longer change directions easily. So you can't listen to feedback as as much. Um, okay, the other yeah. thing, the the other point I want to make just about you know what to expect of the game. 
is and I have to have to say that to a lot of a lot of people who say, "Oh, I'm not getting my money worth, and and uh, no, not enough content." That given the frequency of sales you get for Horizons um, for for ten euros or ten pounds or whatever, uh, that Elite Dangerous might as well be free to play by now. Yeah, and for that, I mean, you get an awesome game, and even I, I mean, I have spent over four hundred euros in cosmetics. And I have upwards of 1,300 hours of gameplay. So I still feel I got my money's worth. Yeah. Um, so I do, I do, I do too. I think, I, I think everybody here um, would, would agree with you. Um, and it's interesting what you say about free-to-play. Um, it, it, it is heavily discounted on sale very frequently. Um, but the amount of free stuff, the amount of free content that the, the community of well, that that has been added to the game is is very large. I suppose cynics would probably say that it's it's nowhere near as large as um, as they were trained to expect by uh, the communication around the game in the Kickstarter and shortly afterwards. But I think there's also a lot of different opinion on what is content because Elite is one of the true sandbox games out there where you can. I mean, Speedball, which we come to later, is one of the prime examples. It is taking the assets you're provided with the game, with the, the physics, and making your own content, making yeah. your own event. And if people just say content is what the game provides, missions, audio logs, initiatives, yeah, there isn't much. But there's an entire galaxy with with tons of stuff to do. You just have to have some imagination and make your own content. Totally agree, and that is Shan refers to it as cardboard box content, um, and and I totally totally agree. And this is this is where this is where you sort the wheat from the chaff in terms of elite players, because you have some, and I have I have some friends who, when there's something new to do, they're like, oh, I'll play elite again, and when there's nothing new to do, they go and play the games, and others who, when uh, who just do stuff like exploring planets and they make their own fun like speed bowl and planetary circumnavigations and, and that kind of thing um and um and that is absolutely the right way to approach the game i think um we are going to um i want to talk about speed bowl before we go and it's already five to ten so um we're going to do an ad break and then we're going to come back and chat speed bowl which is a neat segue would anybody uh looking particularly at ben and shan would anybody like to chip anything further in on this topic before we before we go to another um I, well i'm speaking this myself as much as anyone listening um i think we just need to bear in mind that frontier are a company in transition um from an independent developer to one of the biggest games companies in the uk and we just need to be aware that that is going to have a cultural change. It's going to have a change to the content they produce and the sorts of events and activities they want to put the dead time into. Um, so that's yeah, kind of my point. comment, really. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Um, all right, then, Ventura, roll the ads, and uh, we will be back with you, delightful listeners, in a few seconds. 
Hey, buddy, why the long face? Exploring is boring. What? What makes you say so? Because I have to scoop for fuel at every single store. And then the voices I hear in the store tell me to kill the emperor. Whoa, sounds like you've got a case of space madness. No kidding. What you really need is really big gas tank. What? With really big gas tank, you'll be sailing the Milky Way in style and comfort. No more hanging out at every stupid store just to refuel. It's as easy as honk and go. Gotta get to Beagle Point for a romantic interlude? Just honk and go. Want to be the buckiest ball in the galaxy? Just honk and go. And if you fill your really big gas tank with patented Jumbonium 5000, you can honk and go, go, go! Gee, thanks, mister! No, thank you. Really big gas tank. Because why wait when you can honk and go? Jumbonium 5000 has been known to cause extra arm growth, outdoor mayonnaise, tripism, and spontaneous targo face. Use only as directed. On the far side of the bubble. On the dark side of an airless moon. On the slightly more interesting side of a ravine. There lived the engineer. The engineer can make your lasers more powerful. Your engines speedier and your gas tank really really big what do you want i want fish wait what that's right fish perp char chub jack loach crabby muckabate prickleback sole snook snake tang wahoo wabagum banjo banga snook soul shad scat Come on by with the long nose cat. Noodlefish, nibblefish, northern squaw. Hooma, hooma, nooka, nooka, wappa, wappa. What about Swedish fish? Why the hell not? Thanks, mister. You're in the wrong commercial. Well, shit. Fish, because, you know, space. Welcome back. Uh, right, so the real reason we got uh, Primetime Casual with his delightful sonorous baritone on the show is um, because he has been spending, he spent the last weekend um, being thoroughly irresponsible and encouraging irresponsibility in, um, in Elite Dangerous, um, because this weekend was the third Speed Bowl event. Um, Speed Bowl is one of the most delightful and entertaining uh, bits of emergent gameplay that have come out of the space sim that is elite dangerous um and loads of you will probably have heard about it but um until fairly recently i didn't actually know the ins and outs of what went into it so uh ptc what happened this weekend tell us about people well what happened this weekend is that we scared the residents of margulis depot on 61 virginis um to death basically um speedballing <laughs> is a way is a way to use flight assist off in a high gravity environment um, to reach speeds in a normal space that you'd usually associate with super cruise. Um, for example, the speed of a spaceship in glide is 2,500 meters per second, right? Mm -hmm. 
And using our flight technique, you can easily overtake one in normal space. <laughs> have you have you can can you see ships in glide when you're when you're speed bowling? Well, it's very hard to time that that flyby, you know. But yeah. <laughs> um, now, so you you use the gravity of of the planet to accelerate, and your thrusters in a certain angle in a certain way is a little secret, and you can just keep accelerating, and accelerating, and you can see in the in the background video now a compilation of. POV videos racing by the finish line close to 4,000 meters per second in normal space. And the beauty of it is you only need a high-gravity planet. Anything higher than 1G works well. I think 3 or 4G is kind of the sweet spot. And you can just do it in, in any old ship you like. You can do it in a stock sidewinder if you want. Or as people have done, you can, you can just throw your Corvette at planets and <laughs> see how much rebuys you can eat. So, and we discovered this a while back, and this is, like I said, the third edition. So we have this this finish line here. You can see Magulus Depot has these huge, tall towers. And you basically start at 200 kilometers altitude from a distance of 1.6 megameters away. You know, the, the target, the finish line, is behind the horizon. And you have to aim your ship into a two-kilometer-wide box and ideally between the gaps of those towers. Wow. Yeah. And as you can see, um, Halo Jones had quite a few mishaps and crashes. <laughs> so, at those speeds, I mean, shields don't usually help much. Do, um, do the pros have, uh, have shields or do they go without? Most don't because... For example, in a Viper or in my hauler, they are too weak, and you want your mass as low as possible to have your thrusters uh, effective. Yeah. yeah, yeah, makes sense. So, yeah. And um, were there any um, uh, were there any records broken this time? I don't. Well, certainly lots. Yeah, of course. We had, for example, we had record attendance. We have. 36 unique uh, places on the on the leaderboard at the end um, with lots of commanders not even posting a run because they couldn't get it on target. So <laughs> I, I'd say about 40 to 45 commanders turned up. Uh, it was all in open because speed bowling is one of the events where you really don't have to worry about gankers. Mm. You can't gank a ship coming in <laughs> 4,000 meters per second. <laughs> we tried. Believe me, we tried. During the aftermath, we had two anacondas full of multi-cannons set up. They knew exactly where the bowling ships were coming from, and they tried to shoot them down. <laughs> it just doesn't work. you know. The target doesn't resolve quickly enough, and by the time you know where the target is coming, boom, it's already passed. <laughs> so it's completely safe. Really, the entire weekend, there was not a single PvP incident. Wow. Gosh. It was all in open. We even had a camera ship sitting uh, from the Burpit. Uh, thank you for hosting the Speedball, by the way, on, on their Discord, and essentially giving up the entire server to Lunacy for a weekend. And they had a live cam going for pretty much 48 hours, just showing the spot between the towers where the ships were coming from, and people were watching that. I mean, wow. one, one person described it as three hours of a static screen and then three frames of a ship come passing yeah. by. 
and then usually an explosion after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. How many? Uh, how, what proportion of people blew up? Do you reckon? A huge, huge proportion. Uh, More than half. Oh. Lots more. I think if we can switch to the static screen I sent earlier, we have a sample of a. I have to work with the Twitch delay here. Just that's yeah. Maybe. Um, so EDSM said there were thirty-three ships on the over the weekend, but yeah, that's not true. Because I have one bill from insurance bill from from Espo, for example, and he alone lost thirty five ships, <laughs> and he racked up thirty five rebuys in one thirty five rebuys. Yeah, in <laughs> two days to be fair. But it was eight corvettes, three oh. mambas, thirteen vipers, and ten eagles. Wow! So this race, yeah, you can see the bill on on the left hand now. Uh, so this weekend cost him. Without the training he had, without he had practice runs, um, cost him slightly more than thirty uh, than three hundred and forty million. <laughs> one person, one person. So you can imagine what the total bill would look like. I'm still trying yeah. to get Frontier to answer me how many ships and how much insurance was lost. Actually, <laughs> it was it brilliant. was brilliant to behold. Um, I can give you some stats. For example, the fastest medium ship, now the yeah fastest medium ship would have been I think you know that name Alec Turner, turned wow. in at three thousand nine hundred and eighty-one meters per second in the end, and this quite ludicrous speed by normal sane standards uh, placed him twenty-first. Bloody hell! But the, the smaller ships are much better at speed bowl, aren't they? Well, we have a. The largest ship, the fastest large ship, was a Type 7 by <laughs> Kirov, Kirov 99, who I think I saw earlier in the chat. And he posted with his Type 7 4,027 meters per second in 16th. The largest ship we bowled was, uh, I'd have to switch over, was a Beluga, actually. Okay. I have to scroll down a bit. No, I haven't. I'm pretty sure I can find the beluga. Give me a second. I'm not quite prepared. That's okay. There we have the beluga liner. Crimson Gamer. Crimson Game? Crimson Gamer. Give me a second. Oh, right. Okay. No, 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 I was thinking. Crimson Gamer. Yeah, I was thinking that name is also well known. Uh, a, beluga, a beluga at 3,951 meters per second. Jesus. Amazing. And he um, managed what was the, to... Um, what was the... Oh, go on, sorry. He also managed to do a barrel roll while flying through the gap. <laughs> no way! The through the, through the yeah. gap! <laughs> we, had, we had a bonus challenge doing stunts while flying through the gap. We had backflips, we had front flips, we had spins, we had rolls, everything. Sanderling managed a complete run, eight minutes, going 4,000 meters per second, backwards. <laughs> the, um, the, the, the speeds look a bit lower than I know you've achieved in the past. Um, Sunderling, I know, has done thirty-four thousand. Yeah, uh, that's the absolute record. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How? Um, uh, what? Why was? Why were the speeds a little bit lower this time? Or was that a real outlier? No, no, no. It has to do with the gravity of the planet, of course. He did his record run on a ten or eleven G planet, 
we only had 40. Wow. <laughs> and, well, time. I mean, our run started at 200 kilometers altitude, so it takes about eight minutes. Mm. And he started at the earliest dropout from, from super cruise you can have. So I think he six or seven hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously it's not practical for a race to do that. No, no, no. He, he had a run-up of six or seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> That's dedication. All in VR with dual stick setup. That's insane. That That'd is... be lucky to get a disconnect, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like... to complete, just to complete the, the run-up of the uh, speeds. Sorry, yeah. The uh, leaderboard, the top end, was dominated by Vipers, sadly, but no, well, it seems to be the best ship for it. And Commander Phobia in a Viper, Viper did 4,112 meters per second, which won him first place. Nice. Um, yeah. is, uh, is Commander Phobia um, new to speed bowling, or is, is, is that a familiar name? It was the first time I heard of him, yeah. He didn't participate in the previous attempts. Yeah, okay. And we now have a very nice video courtesy of Alec Turner comparing the top four runs because third place actually was a tie. Mm. And it was, you know, lower gravity also means less spread on the leaderboard, which is really nice, but caused me a lot of headaches because we had, like I said, we had a three-way tie at some point for first place which would have been insane to explain to Frontier. Like, we need a couple of more uh, community packs because we have too many winners. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the 100 to 112, well, basically the top top uh, top 19 places are separated by only 100 meters per second. Wow. I'm and so annoyed I missed it. I was... Um... I was away yeah. at the Vets Mothers for this uh, this weekend, and it, it is the yeah. one the one weekend that I really didn't want to miss. Yeah, you should totally come next next mm -hmm. time. You know, do you, do you know when you're doing the next one? Probably again in November or December. It's oh, just cool. oh, uh, a suitable time of year for me to do that. Yeah. Okay. So, and also want to point out how fantastic the community was in this event because you had lots of people chiming in and giving each other hints and tips of how to bowl and how to get it on target and how to achieve better speeds. And then we had the winners. Um, like I said, we had prizes for the for the podium, kind uh, courtesy of Frontier. And first place said, well, I only wanted the, the one great Frontier paint job. The community paint bags, you know, gives it to the other pilots who tried, who tried their best and didn't make it. And then third place one of them, they were tired. One of them said, well, I'm only going to accept my prize if you can guarantee me the other third place can get one as well. Oh, that's so and nice. Fourth dedicated the prize they were given back to fifth and to sixth. So what I'm saying is I had to keep track of all this and it was a nightmare. But <laughs> Kindness is time, difficult. To next, next, time, next time on Speedball, just aim for roughly top 10. You might just win a prize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 nice. Um cool. Okay. And um was Sandling um did Sandling uh, do well this time or was he um he doesn't look like it from the stats in in the show notes it doesn't look like he was on the podium. No, he came in in 13th I think, but um he kind of resigned his crown. 
yeah. on his own voluntarily because well, I was in the beginning I was kind of hyping it up against you know chasing Sanderling and trying to beat the champion and yeah making him kind of the the nemesis of speed and we thought that might actually discourage people you know mm. it might discourage the the wide the broader audience from just from trying even so he was kind of setting himself aside and just tried stupid stuff basically you know the most yeah. ludicrous stunts he could think of and he did yeah. well yeah nice very nice um and um did uh, in the past i what just to fill listeners in i actually interviewed mm. primetime casual for and sandling for sagittarius i for an upcoming yeah. issue um was um did you learn anything new about uh optimal ships and uh the way that the way that ships behave in speed bowling um that um that you didn't know before well there's always some sort of progression on the on the technique of speed bowling and we learned pretty much that thruster placement is much more important than we thought okay every time uh, there was a slight change in how to do the best start and how to angle your ship during the run um but other than that not much i mean we have a few a few tips for beginners how to get run on target like disable lateral thrust entirely and how to set up properly but other than that it's pretty much you know well it's, established by now yeah it's a, it's a it's a well it's a well-trod formula by now um yeah. is um uh the one thing that i can't get my head around is how you manage to start so far away and and travel at those speeds and still get through that tiny gap i don't <laughs> understand i don't understand how you do that i mean that's bafflingly difficult how, how on earth do you start so far away that it's on the other side of the planet and still manage to hit that gap well if you if you continuously aim at the center of the of the circle it's not that hard yeah okay and you, and, and even traveling just at those constantly could... yeah constantly adjust and as soon as you see the towers in the distance you you start aiming and just constantly keep it in in the that center of the circle how the hell did sandling do it in reverse was he in um was he in vanity camp no 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 in, in vr <laughs> He also did it, you know, upright, standing on the main thrusters and spinning constantly around his main axis. <laughs> he posted a video. It's I can't watch it. I just don't how, buy it. How, how the hell do you do that when you can't see where you're going? It's baffling. I, I don't know. He lined up once and then said, well, I just have to stay on course. <laughs> it's, it's that simple, obviously. So <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it makes it sound incredibly simple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do you have a date for the next one? Um, no, because I have to look at you know personal stuff or when to best do it. But it will yeah. be in November or December. That's uh, it, it's quite a big commitment for you, presumably, because it takes an entire weekend out. It takes entire. It actually took Friday and Monday off because <laughs> Friday for the preparation we had a Discord bot this time that helped me. Um, keep track of submissions and give out leaderboards and generate uh you know csv data to export into into excel and everything yeah and then on monday i was up judging judging submissions and preparing the leaderboard until like 2 30 a.m so hell yeah, yeah it's quite a commitment and we started early we started two months ago looking for a location yeah so yeah, yeah. It's, well it's, true yeah you're going to struggle to do one in uh, november if you if you need to find a new no, a new location yeah, because we don't want to do the same location twice. That would no. be boring. Would um, why not that one in Akinar, which is very very large? There's one that's like four or ten G or something in Akinar. Yeah, but Akinar requires a permit. 
Oh, I didn't realize that. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Um, I, yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and um, is there a way for, if somebody is listening and wants to help out in organizing, is there a way, what's the best way for, for somebody to get in touch with you to, um, to chip in well, to sourcing locations? Either, either on Twitter, you know, um, at Primetime Casual, <clears throat> or on the Burpit Discord, I think, because I'm usually hanging out there. And they are the now official home of speed bowling. <laughs> that sounds about appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Jolly good. Um, okay, well, uh, in that case, I want to... Um, there's another buckyball race coming up, uh, which is on Saturday the 16th, um, which I want to talk about, briefly. the Lava Loop. Um, are you going to be doing that one this Saturday, or are you going to take a weekend off from Elite? I'm afraid I'm away with a girlfriend this weekend so Ugh. she already had to you know kind of give me this weekend off so did she not take part in speedball no but i think she listened to this podcast after the after the fact oh cool oh fun hello uh primetime casuals girlfriend <laughs> um <laughs> well um yeah the so you'll miss it uh, i'll probably try and get involved but there is a new buckyball race we ought to get alec on to talk about it actually but um, the Lava Loop starts this Saturday, November the 16th, and will run until the following Sunday, November the 24th. Um, the race starts and finishes at Conway City in LTT 4961 and requires competitors to visit five outposts, all in close orbit around Lava Worlds. Um, so as, uh, as with other um, buckyball races, this is a time trial. Uh, it's not live action racing. You can, you can turn up and chip in whenever you want. Um, and post your time, um, and uh, it's, it's it's really cool to see the the buckyballers organising things a bit more frequently actually because they they had a few months where they were they were taking a bit of a breather. Um, right, well, uh, I think that's probably about it. Shan and Ben, is there anything that you would like to the lovely primetime casual before um, before we go on to the rest of the shout outs and, and wrap up the show? No, I think we're just basically talking about ways we could sabotage people trying to fly through the loop, through the through those towers, like you know, having a, a space cow parked in the middle of the towers or something like that. Um, <laughs> mines. Mines would fall down to ground. Yeah, true. Yeah, um, if you timed it right, you could you could be you could be seven. Uh, you could be seven and a half kilometers above the planet, so you're outside the, the no-fire zone, and you yeah, could just yeah. drop mines every half a second in a constant stream down through the gap. They'd be about as useless as those mine layers that they had in episode eight. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Sounds fun to me. Um, I, I, I think it'd be great fun. I just think it would be useless. But it'd be fun to do. You're probably right. Also, I'm not sure that the speed bowlers need any incentive to blow up thinking about it no we can do that on our own thank yeah. you <laughs> I, I just like the idea i was actually thinking it would be interesting to see a speed bowler versus mac winston's ridiculously shielded um imperial Gutter. Gutter. yeah stick it in the in the gap yeah what well, well, you could do yeah because if you had uh, reverb cascade mines it doesn't take many to take down the shield of the ship so well these guys are running shieldless anyway so that's not a problem there are some that have a hull-tanked Sidewinder, for example, that can actually survive a lot. Yeah. So it would be interesting. 
Hmm. So I guess the mass of your ship... Does the mass of your ship actually help? It helps with keeping the ship stable. Okay, you know, wow. The lighter the ship, the more twitchy it is, and the heavier, the more stable it becomes. Hmm. i tell you, one thing, um, one thing from chatting to Primetime about Speedball that I've been really impressed with is um, how mechanically complex the game is when it comes to physics and ships. Um, I've been absolutely bowled over like things like for example ships with flatter bottoms are better at speedball because they are more stable things like that you wouldn't expect the game you wouldn't expect the game to to have that many to 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 to, to, to simulate flight that in that level of complexity well i wouldn't anyway i mean that's that's like that that's um sort of microsoft flight simulator levels of hmm. levels of depth that you don't Why expect from would- a flat bottom make any difference? There's no atmosphere. Well, that's because point. of the angle, <laughs> the thrusters. Ah, I if see. You don't have a, if you don't have a flat bottom, the, the thrusters are angled to the side. And that makes it much more sensitive to roll, for example, or to yaw than a flat uh, bottom. Yeah, and another sense. thing is we learn a lot about flight assist and how it works, or rather how flight assist off works in regards to thrusters. Because flight assist on gimps thrusters a lot. With flight assist on, you never have full power to the lateral and horizontal, uh, lateral and vertical thrusters. With flight assist off, you suddenly have the entire power of the thrusters just on the downside, for example. And you can boost a lot more <coughs> upwards than if you had flight assist on. Interesting. Very fascinating, yeah. Hmm. I wouldn't have expected that. It's also not something that we ever... Um, it's not something that we've ever had explained to us by by devs or... Um, or is, it's not even something that's been alluded to particularly. Things like things like the complexities of Fight Assist Off are yeah. something that the, the players have sort of found out for themselves. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's fun to find out empirically. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. I'm, I'm just dreaming about doing this kind of thing in an atmosphere now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Frontier, if you're listening, there you go. Ben is dreaming about atmospheres. Um, right. Well, uh, I think it's probably time to uh, do the rest of the shout-outs and and, uh, and wrap up. Um, so they, uh, yes, the the buckyball race I mentioned earlier runs from um, November the sixteenth until the twenty fourth. Um, so if you're around this weekend, um, you can get involved in that. If you missed um, the speed bowl event this last weekend, um, and stay tuned to um, Primetime Casuals Twitter feed and also the Burr Pit to find out when the next speed bowl event will be run. Um, and uh, he rather optimistically reckons that November or December is when the next one will be. Um, but um, considering how much work goes into it, um, I don't think anybody will hold him to that. <laughs> um, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, broadcasts on Thursdays from 8.30. And you can tune in uh, to that at tv.forthemug.com. Or for just the audio, you can go to radio.forthemug.com. Um, for any discerning commanders out there who like a bit of CQC action, you could... Um, check out the CQC Discord, um, which uh, we had some guests from um, a few weeks ago, at discord.me forward slash Elite Dangerous CQC. Um, and uh, there's not much left for me to do other than thank our uh, panelists and guests tonight. So thank you ever so much, Primetime Casual, for joining us and um, telling us about uh, your rather baffling and expensive weekend. <laughs> thank you. It's been my pleasure.
And thank you to uh, Commander Shan, and thank you to Commander Edelweiss, and thank you very much to um, Commander Ventura, who's been our um, marvellous tech this evening. Um, and that is it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you would like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, or you can hit us up on facebook.com forward slash laveradio. You can tweet us at um, laveradio.com. Uh, sorry, at Lave Radio, or you can join our Discord server by going to discord.io forward slash Lave Radio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, which you can find at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 and streamed out at laveradio.com forward slash live. Galnet news will follow after the outro of this show, um, and uh, and after that there'll be a quick look into Beyond Dockers. Um, you can find the full version of the show at um, bs-dockers.co.uk. Uh, Beyond Dockers is the latest iteration of a really really wonderful. Um, I think it's technically an audio drama set in the Elite Dangerous universe. Um, so do hang around to check that out. Um, so um, that's it until next time commanders fly safe and if you can't do that fly dangerous yeah. and well done Steve is your life like this it's like someone having an orange inserted uh, need a safe word. Space can be done. I'm going to see the galaxy. News Digest, 12th of November, 3305. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, thousands flock to assist ancient ship. Golconda voting begins soon. Speedball 3 concludes. The 2020 update. Thousands flock to assist ancient ship.
Following last week's discovery of the Golconda, which despite its name is not an anaconda and doesn't have a gold paint job, but is in fact that rarest of discoveries, a generation ship whose crew has somehow managed not to eject themselves into space, lose power and freeze to death, or be attacked and killed by pirates, a generation ship in short that still has living people on board, and following the revelation that the people on board the Golconda are running a bit low on basic provisions after more than a thousand years in space, and following the revelation that there might be a decal in it for those who take part, pilots have come rushing to provide assistance in the form of supplies. More than 10 million tonnes of supplies have already been delivered to the crew and passengers of the veteran sublight Leviathan, whose inhabitants apparently decided to stay on board after the ship reached its intended destination, on the grounds that after a thousand years they'd sort of got used to it. The famished crew have been looking forward most especially to eating a massive steak and kidney pie with Yorkshire pudding and gravy, roast potatoes and all the trimmings, so they may in due course, as they start to sort through the millions of cargo canisters that are now completely obscuring the hull of their ship, be somewhat disappointed to find that apart from a welcome top-up to the ship's medicine cabinet, the galactic community has decided that the best things to deliver to the hungry generation ship would be aluminium, ceramic composites and semiconductors. You can do a lot with aluminium, ceramic composites and semiconductors, but eating them is not one. The pilots busily delivering far more semiconductors than a thousand generation ships could ever use, even if their ancient technology was compatible with the latest silicon, which it isn't, may come to be surprised at just how grateful the crew of the Golconda are for the galaxy's generosity, which is to say, not at all. Golconda voting begins soon. Having heard about the miraculous survival of the inhabitants of the Golconda, the leaders of the Federation and the Empire, President Hudson and Emperor Lavigny Duval, are reported to be thinking about encouraging the settlers to join their respective powers. The settlers on the Golconda have not been consulted about this development, but that apparently doesn't matter. The way it'll work is this. Commanders who think the settlers on the Golconda should become citizens of the Empire will be encouraged to help create a lovely new planetary base on an airless world for the settlers. Those who think the Federation would be better for the settlers will simultaneously help to build a remote outpost to house the settlers. Whichever side builds their base first will get to abduct the unwilling settlers from the Golconda and install them in whichever new home it is. In order to encourage this highly democratic process, both the Empire and the Federation intend to bribe commanders with offers of swifter rank advancement and cheaper spaceships, and with that decal, which won't be available until either the base or the outpost has been constructed, so anyone holding for it now is wasting their time. Whichever side wins will also gain control of a mysterious new rare good called Apa Vieti, or Water of Life, 
which may or may not be the finest Scotch whisky. All this activity, building bases and ranking up in the Federation or Empire, is expected to last until about a week before Christmas, which is when fleet carriers won't be available for commanders to buy. Speedball 3 concludes. The air traffic controllers of Margulis Depot in the 61 Virginis system breathed a collective sigh of relief this week at the conclusion of the Speedball 3 tower buzzing event. The fastest ships recorded were flown by commanders Phoebia and Verminus, which clocked top speeds of 4,112 and 4,111 metres per second each, just a shade under 12 times the speed of sound. The fastest speed between the twin towers of Margulis Depot was Commander Alien Hunter PL, who scraped his wings off both towers at a far more leisurely 4,104 metres per second, which is still pretty much 12 times the speed of sound. Quite apart from having the windows of the control tower shattered every few minutes, by the end of the weekend the air traffic controllers were reportedly getting a bit fed up of starting to read out the welcome message, only to find the ship that they were addressing was already 300 kilometres away over the horizon. Galactic authorities have expressed their fervent wish that this should be the last ever speedball competition. The 2020 Update A leaked memo from a top-secret meeting of the shadowy organisation said to be behind the Pilots' Federation reports a sneaky plan. Apparently, the code underlying the galaxy is a bit of a rat's nest and desperately needs a makeover. This is being undertaken in a project codenamed the 2020 Update, presumably because of the clear vision of the future the project creates. The makeover, which will be sold to commanders other than those who are wise enough to opt for a lifetime of expansions, will become available in what is described as the second half of next year, so that means Christmas time. The 2020 update will deliver the original vision of Braben, together with more tutorial missions. Commanders can look forward to landing on airless planets, driving around in an SRV, advanced features such as power play and close quarters combat, engineering their ships, and a strange race of aliens known as the Thargoids. All of these new features, but without any of the bugs that a minority of commanders have reported. The 2020 update will also bring the prospect of fleet carriers, which are expected to be delivered about six months later. The Pilots' Federation is believed to feel confident that commanders will feel right at home while using the new software. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.
The Red Planet Taxi Service have recently moved into the luxury liner market, and their flagship, Big Red Taxi, has been plying the space lanes in Wolf 25 for some weeks now. We join Trace and Chantal in the food prep area on board. All right, Chantal, do business class and you do luxury this time, all right, babe? Tea, coffee, coffee, tea, tea, coffee, coffee, tea, tea, coffee, tea, madam. Certainly, madam, enjoy your tea, madam. Tea, coffee, coffee, tea. Oh, but I have an orange juice, please. Tea, coffee. Coffee, tea. Oh, yes. But I'd like an orange juice if I could, please. Tea, coffee, coffee, tea. Oh, okay. Uh, tea then, please. Tea, sir. Let me, sir. Enjoy your tea, sir. Tea, coffee, coffee, tea. 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 Oh, you get all sorts here. Smells like it too. Murph, horrible stains, marigolds. Who's that? There you go. Donkey dick. It says here. Next. My dear man. Cox. Like an obese child. No. Teabag. It's the 34th century. What the fuck's that? Patient. Nada. Sounds majestic, because it is, Michelle. This is beyond dockers beyond dockers a mockumentary podcast available at bs-dockers.com also on itunes night night